Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, BA fam. I am back. It's Mandy. I'm here with another episode of Brown Ambition. And this week is all about your questions. Yes, the BA Q&A is back. Thank you so much for sending your questions. Y'all, if you want to get a question on the air, go to brownambitionpodcast.com. That is our homepage. And from there, you can submit a question through our website. Also, you can hit us up on Instagram. We are at brownambitionpodcast. Just slide into our DM, send us your question. Make sure that you are clear and concise. And if you want to be anonymous, just let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to put your entire name out here and I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Okay. And while you're at it, if y'all want to be featured in our new series on Instagram, we are doing a BA fam fan spotlight on Fridays where we actually go to iTunes, see who's left us a review and then spotlight one of y'all head to iTunes right now. Leave us a five star review. If you've been rocking with our show for all these seven years and you haven't left for review yet, come on now. Like you don't pay for this. Go leave us a review. It is so helpful in having other people find our show. It also helps us move up the rankings on iTunes. And listen, numbers are important, okay? And I would love to hit the top 10 again for top 10 business podcasts. So send us a review, take a screenshot of the show and share it on social media. Tag us at Brown Admission Podcast on IG. You can tag me at Mandy Money, and just let everyone know that you are a part of the BA fam. Okay, so that's my sales pitch over. Let me get into this mailbag. And thank you all again for your patience as I have been learning how to just sit here and talk to myself. Um, I'm having a good time. We still send our love and virtual hugs to our girl Tiffany and wish her lots of happy healing and good health as she yeah, is just taking her time until she feels ready to come back to the show. So I love you, Tiff. We all love you. And the BA fam sends you lots and lots of love. Okay, first question is from Anonymous. Anonymous wants to know, Mandy, when does it make sense to use credit unions? I combined finances with my spouse this year and I'm more bothered when it comes to debt. I'm only comfortable carrying my student loan debt, which I've got about $16,000 of. My partner's also trying to pay off about $9,000 of personal consumer debt that has skyrocketed since he's been unemployed through the pandemic. This year, we've managed to also rack up an additional $4,000 in credit card debt, low interest to no interest because we've taken advantage of a 0% financing offer. Pre-tax, this year we'll have made about 85K and my credit score is 720. Okay, so you want to know when it makes sense to use credit unions. I'm going to have to do a little bit of mental gymnastics to figure out specifically what you're wanting to do with a credit union. So I'm thinking based on the fact that you guys have got, let me see, math is easy, math is fun, $9,000 plus four. So you got about $13,000 of credit card and personal loan debt. 
Um, and you're probably wondering, you know, should it should we go to a credit union and potentially take out like a debt consolidation loan that we could use to pay down this consumer high interest consumer debt? And then you're just left with one loan payment after that. With your credit score of 720, you know, you're probably really likely to get a pretty decent rate on a debt consolidation loan. And a credit union is a perfectly fine place to go for that kind of loan. You can also use online lenders too, you know, online lenders because they don't have all the expenses of brick and mortar banks. They tend to offer lower fees. But um, my best advice when it comes to shopping for debt consolidation loans is to get quotes, you know, actually run your numbers, get a quote for how much you need and see who's going to offer you the best terms. So your interest rate obviously is number one, but are, there, are they going to tack on any other fees on top of that? You know, are they going to... Um, are they going to give you a penalty if you prepay your loan, which means you pay it off sooner than what your term dictates? So definitely get some loan options and lay them out next to each other and just make the best decision based on the options that you get. Now, listen, what's interesting about your question is, you know, so I hear you're you're married, your partner's got some debt, you've, worked, you've racked up some debt together, but you're talking about your credit score. And that tells me that you're looking to take on this debt consolidation loan potentially on your own. Just be aware that, you know, whatever happens in your relationship, that loan is going to be in your name. So it's going to be your responsibility to pay it down. Um, obviously, your partner can help. I, I hope that he's been able to get work. I know you said he was unemployed during the pandemic. Um, I'm hope that I'm hoping that he's working again and he can help contribute to that consumer debt. But yeah, it is going to be ultimately your name on the paperwork. So you want to be sure that you can handle those payments independently. And I would just aggressively go after that credit card debt. You know, you say that you've got student loan debt, which is about 16K. It's not that bad, right? Plus, I think at least until the spring, you won't have to make any more payments or make any payments on federal student loan debt, thanks to the relief that was given during the pandemic to federal student loan borrowers. So hopefully that gives y'all some time where you could really attack this personal consumer debt that you've got, especially the high interest debt. So that $4,000 of debt that you guys have accrued, you said that was on like a 0% financing plan. That's maybe not your top um, priority right now. Maybe you want to tackle that $9,000 that you said has skyrocketed because your partner's been out um, out of work for so long. You know, so tackle the high interest debt first, but really be aware again of taking on that responsibility with your credit score. Um, you know, if you're not able to make those payments, obviously that would hurt your credit score. And that's who the banks will be coming to for payment if you guys can't pay. When it comes to managing debt, well, actually, I don't know if I said this yet, but when it comes to managing debt as a couple, I think teamwork makes a dream work. I think, at least in my relationship, it helped me to start thinking of his debt as my debt from an early time in our relationship. And not that he had a lot of debt, just as an example. And the same thing with my savings, my income, you know, just thinking of it as one pot, it just made it easier to kind of tackle those goals together. Um, so as long as your partner is working and you guys are bringing in extra income and you feel like you are capable of making a debt consolidation loan payment, you know, month after month and, and making that a consistent um, part of your budget, then I think it could work for you guys to go to a credit union or any other lender and get a debt consolidation loan as long as it's a lower rate than the cost of your consumer debt right now and just paying that down aggressively. 
And then once that's paid off, then you can move on to that 0% financing debt. Um, as we've said on the show before, when it comes to those 0%, you know, credit card offers or any kind of like 0% financing, which is a, a, an introductory rate, really pay attention to the fine print because what you don't want to happen is that you're left after that promotional period is over. If you've even got $1 of money or $1 of debt still on that line of credit or that loan, they may have something called the deferred interest clause, which basically says, even if you've got $1 left, we're actually going to go back to the beginning of this loan and we're going to pretend like you were paying interest this entire time. And they're going to tack all that interest back onto your balance. So it could actually increase how much you owe, which really sucks, right? Um, So just be conscious of that. But I think together you guys can definitely tackle this. It's definitely not the worst debt story that we've gotten here on Brown Ambition, but I hope that helped. Um, and and good luck as you guys get back and, you know, get back on your feet, you know, financially. And I mean, honestly, don't beat yourself up too bad because the pandemic is, is and was uh, a huge burden to so many households. And the fact that you had to rack up some consumer debt does not mean that you are bad with money. It just means you did what you had to do to survive during unprecedented times, right? And now you just kind of got to pick yourself back up and get on the right track, which I feel really confident that you guys will be able to do. All right. I hope that helped. Thank you again for your question. And let me see what's next. All right. So we've got a question this week. Oh, repeat, a repeat BA questioner, Amelia. Amelia's got an interesting question. She says, I'm currently in the process of adopting a family member's child. I was previously child-free at almost 30 years old, and now I'm 32 with a three-year-old. I've now become a government employee and a single parent all at once, and I'm trying to pay down debt. I recently enrolled in school, and I'm using my military GI bill to pay for it. So now I have an additional $12,000 tax-free coming in over the next six months. My question is this, considering I don't have much saved after the pandemic wiped us out, and I'm planning a move from Southern California to Macon, Georgia, should I pay all my credit card debt off or pay it down to about the 30% mark and save the rest? Also some additional info, my dad is helping me pay for my cross country move. Okay, it's a lot to unpack here. First of all, I mean, it's amazing that you are taking on responsibility for a child, you know, out of the goodness of your heart. And I think that is just a really selfless and amazing thing that you've done. And it sounds like, you know, you've got your you've got a good job, you're enrolling in school, um, you're using your military GI bill to pay for it, which is amazing. Um, and you've got that income coming in to pay for it. But like a lot of families, you know, you don't have a lot saved after the pandemic. And you're wondering, you know, before I make this move, should I pay all my credit card debt off? Potentially, I'm wondering if you're thinking about using that $12,000 you've got from your GI bill to pay it off and then save the rest. Okay, a couple things. Think, 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 think. I wouldn't want you to blow your GI bill on debt. I mean, technically, that money is earmarked for school and you're supposed to use it for school. Now, anyone who knows who's ever gotten a student student loan refund check knows that you can use that money for just about anything <laughs> once you get that refund check in the mail, right? Um, but look, I I wouldn't want you to miss out and on this great benefit that you've earned, you know, being a service member to be able to pay for your school and, and be student loan debt free. Now, I would actually ask 
can your dad help you with your credit card debt instead of the cross-country move so that you can feel like you're getting you know, a good chunk of that debt paid down before you're making that move. And then just try to do the move as cost consciously as possible. Um, I'm not entirely sure where it is that you're working, but they may offer some sort of relocation benefit. That's something that's worth asking for. Um, if you've got credit card debt, you don't tell me how much you've got. So I, it's hard for me to tell, you know, is this something that is really um, weighing down on you that you have to pay off right right away. You know, why not just pay it off slow and steady after you guys move down there and you get settled and then just make a goal to pay that down slow and steady, you know, as you get settled in your new job and you guys make your new home down in Macon, Georgia. I mean, it may feel like it's weighing on you and like you've got to pay it off right away, but take the time that you need. I mean, I wouldn't want to put you in a precarious financial situation and, you know, blow the money that should be going toward your school on debt that you could potentially just be paying down slow and steady. Um, so before you use that GI Bill on credit card debt, I would say, you know, get in school, use the bill to pay for that tuition, get settled, and then start to budget or start to look at your budget and your cash flow and say, how much will I actually have left over that I could use to pay down this credit card debt? And is there anything that potentially your dad, for example, could help you um, subsidize by like giving you a little bit extra to make that card payment? Or is there another lever that you could pull? For example, could you take out a 0% interest balance transfer, you know, credit card and transfer that balance onto another credit card that has 0% interest just to buy yourself some time? We were just talking about that in the last question, and it's an option, you know, especially if you've got decent credit, and I don't know anything else about your financial history than what you've said here, so I'm just going to assume that you've got decent credit. Um, you may qualify for a good 0% offer and be able to move that over. Maybe there's even an option, if you're a military member, you may have, they have great, um, they have some financial institutions, like one of the banks that comes to mind is USAA, but I know there's others that, you know, work with military service members and may be able to give you a low interest debt consolidation loan that you can use to pay down that debt. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm going. I'm not feeling so good about using, you know, school funds to pay off debt. But at the same time, I see what you're saying. You know, you're wanting to pay down debt and start saving. You just may be feeling like you have to do everything, you know, all at the same time. Just break it down into small, measurable, you know, doable goals, and it won't feel quite as overwhelming, I hope. All right, Amelia, thank you again for your question. I'm going to take a quick little break, get some more of this coffee, and I'll be right back with another of your questions. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. 
Hey, 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 BA fam. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350. 50 million global monthly visitors. That's incredible. This is according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 150 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Okay, it's smart. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash brown ambition. Just go to indeed.com slash brown ambition right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash brown ambition. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire, you need Indeed. All right, y'all, I am back. It's Mandy with Brown Ambition, and I'm here for our third and final question from listener Cherish. What a beautiful name. Cherish says, I enrolled in a high deductible insurance plan so that I could get an HSA and invest the money after hearing about the benefits on your interview with the Journey to Launch couple. Oh, you guys, if you haven't listened to our interview with Journey to Launch, Christina and Aman, go back and listen to it. It's so good. Um, All right, back to Cherish's question. Cherish says, but I try to limit going to the doctor unless it's covered because I worry my cost will be really high since I don't have a copay and I'm young, 28 years old and healthy. If I want to start going to the doctor more, but I don't want to pay a lot, should I switch to a healthcare plan, a new healthcare plan, or am I being overly cautious? I think I'm still anxious from a time when I got $2,000 bill for sim- for a simple lab test because they sent it to an out-of-network lab. It happened to me too before, so I get it. Cherish says, how can I know how much more I'll pay for a high deductible health plan versus a health plan that has a copay? And if I do switch to a copay plan, will my HSA continue to grow? And if I switch to a high deductible plan in the future, can I continue contributing to it again? Alrighty. This is a really cool question. I love it. Why? Because it sort of brings the real world into a situation. It brings the real world to like one of these pieces of financial advice that's becoming more and more common. So Christina and Aman, they are part of this financial independence retire early movement. So they were able to retire at 39, I believe, and they moved to Portugal and it was all amazing. And one of the strategies they talk about where they were able to invest and save enough to retire that early was they invested heavily in index funds, but they also opened a high um, an HSA, a health savings account. And in order to get access to an HSA, you have to enroll in a high deductible healthcare plan. Um, so you have to have a high deductible in order to get this HSA. And the whole point of the HSA is that you are putting pre-tax dollars into an account to set aside for your healthcare expenses. Because as we all may know, with a high deductible plan, it means you've got to come out of pocket before your insurance is going to pick up the tab. So if you've got a high deductible healthcare plan, and let's say the deductible is like $5,000, you'll want to have money set aside because you will be on the hook for making any payments toward healthcare needs before that deductible is met. So there's a bit of risk there, right? I mean, they were young and healthy, the same as you cherish when they when they decided to opt in to the high deductible healthcare plan. So they said, eh, probably we're not going to have to go to the doctor that often. And if we do, we'll have money set aside to actually pay for that. And when you have an HSA, what helps supercharge your 
you know, retirement savings is that you can actually invest through your HSA, which is a cool benefit because you're putting money in it before taxes and then the money is growing tax free while you're investing. And then the, the third and what they why they call it a triple tax benefit is that you can withdraw that money tax free so long as you're using it for medical expenses. So it is a great tool that you potentially could use to invest for retirement, especially because when we retire, you know, we're going to be older, you may have more healthcare concerns, and then you'll actually have a pot of money through HSA that you can withdraw and use for those, those healthcare expenses in retirement. So it sounds like a good idea, right? It sounds solid. But here's where Cherish's question is interesting, because the fact of the matter is that when you enroll in a high deductible insurance plan, you have to pay more out of pocket along the way. And you may actually not have the funds to cover those kinds of expenses. And if you anticipate that you're going to have more medical expenses, you will have to think carefully about whether a high deductible plan makes sense for you. It still can make sense. You know, it can make sense if you've got money set aside, you know, that you're setting aside through your HSA um, or other ways so that you can pay for those co-pays out of pocket or pay for any expenses out of pocket. Um, and I think everyone, when you're on a medical plan, like cherish this nightmare where you got a $2,000 bill for a lab test because they sent it to an out-of-network lab, those types of things happen all the time. And you have to be really diligent and reading all of your bills really carefully and triple triple quadruple checking where they are sending certain lab work or you know making sure if they're going to refer you to a physician that you have done your due diligence and triple dipple quadruple checked yourself to make sure they're in network because i mean at the end of the day like you're going to be the one who cares most about your money right and in a rush at the medical office they may just send you to a doctor that they think is in your network but come to find out they've left your network last week you know so you've got to be really diligent and it takes it takes some babysitting i feel like of your of your medical um your medical bills and all that kind of stuff to be sure that you're not going to find yourself in that situation but yeah um hsa can be a good tool to use for retirement but it does come with that reality that you will have to pay a little bit more out of pocket than you might have liked to. Um, and if you're not feeling financially capable of doing that, then yes, it could make more sense to enroll in a different healthcare plan, a healthcare plan that is probably going to cost you a little bit more out of your paycheck each pay period. Um, but at least you'll have the peace of mind knowing if I do need to go to the doctor, I'm only going to have that $25 or that $35 copay. You ask how much you ask here, how can I know how much more I'll pay on a high deductible plan versus a copay plan? So this is where you can do some homework. And when you go to your enrollment page, now open enrollment is typically around November. So you may have to wait um, until the fall of this year to make a big make a change like this. But when it comes time for open enrollment, what you want to do, and a lot of plan pages will actually let you do this online, is do a side-by-side -side comparison. And they should be able to tell you, here's what your, here's what your deduction is going to be from your paycheck for this plan. So here's what your premium is going to cost. And here's what your copay is going to be. And then you've just got to make that, you know, make the decision based on your best guess of how much healthcare you're going to need in the year to come. I know it's kind of it's annoying and it's a little overwhelming. Like, how can I predict what kind of healthcare I'm going to need? But that's what you got to do. I mean, you just got to kind of make the best decision based on what you know. And if you anticipate, like, like I said, if you anticipate having 
some medical um, expenses or having some procedures done that will be more costly, then you may want to, at least for the next year, however long it'll take, you know, change to a plan that costs you a little bit more out of pocket for your premium, but actually gives you better benefits because um, it pays for a lot more of those services upfront versus a high deductible plan, you know, where you're maybe paying a lower premium, but you're coming out of pocket a lot more often when you go to the doctor. Okay. So another question you had is if I do switch to a copay plan, will my HSA continue to grow? Yes. The beauty of an HSA is you can actually take it with you. Even if you leave your job, it goes with you. Um, and yes, it will continue to grow. It's not going to go anywhere. You won't lose it. Um, and if you s decide to go back to a high deductible plan in the future, I don't know if that particular, it depends on if you've switched companies at that point or if it's the same insurance company, they may have you open an HSA at a different, um, uh, a different uh, financial service. But yes, you can contribute to your HSA again at that point, just maybe, it just may be contributing to a new HSA account somewhere else. Um, but if it's the same insurer and the same employer, I would imagine that you could probably just start contributing again to that HSA directly through the same HSA that you had kind of put on pause for a while while you switched to a different um, healthcare plan. Okay. Yay. I don't know why I get excited talking about HSAs, but I love this question, Cherish. And it's another reminder too, that as, as much as we see, you know, stories of other people on their own financial journeys and you know, making decisions about the types of healthcare that they're going to pay for and types of investment accounts that they're going to open. At the end of the day, all they're doing is telling you a story about what served them, you know, in their journey. And I just want everyone to be aware that at the end of the day, like you've got to do what's best for you and your financial situation. Situation, And just because something was the right decision for other people does not mean it's going to be the right decision for you. These things are complex. Our lives are complex. Everyone is so different. So just make peace with the fact that your financial journey is going to look different than everyone else's, you know, and you can definitely like take ideas from other people, but you've got to do what's best for you financially. And I'm really glad that you are taking a step back here and saying, okay, maybe it worked for journey to launch, but I don't know if I'm actually going to be the right, this will be the right path for me and being willing to kind of be critical and, and think about that before you just kind of jump and dive into something just because, you know, someone else said it worked for them. All right, Cherish, thank you so much for your question. That was a good juicy one for the end of the show. Thank y'all again. I'm Mandy with Brown Ambition. If you want to send us your question, hit us up at brownambitionpodcast.com. You can send us a question directly through our website or go to IG. Um, we are at Brown Ambition Podcast and you can leave us a question right there. Slide into our DMs. I can't wait to get more questions from y'all and I will see y'all next week. Thank y'all so much for listening. This is Brown Ambition. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.